Hello, my name is Jason Reichel, and you're listening to Risk Management Brick by Brick. I'm fascinated with people who are helping build and maintain the physical world around us. On each episode of this podcast, we'll dive in with a risk manager, speak to them about how technology plays a role in this process. Our guest for today's episode is Steve Dillarto, the founder and CEO of Concentric, a construction company that transforms the fractured pre-construction environment by unifying processes and providing a dynamic view of the project. Steve and his team are on a mission to make the built world more affordable, predictable, and sustainable. They're uniquely positioned to transform the future for the construction and real estate industry. I had a very good conversation with Steve. It's very informative. And I like to think that we tied this into risk management pretty well. Let's get to it. Steve, thank you for joining Brick by Brick. How are you today? Great, Jason. Appreciate you having me on today. No problem. You know, as I've immersed myself in the world of risk management, specifically in construction, there are some areas where the process and technology of the built world are in a state of flux. And so when I was introduced to you around the pre-construction phase and all the gaps that are in that, I thought, hey, maybe this is something that we should double click on. Can you speak to some of the gaps currently in the pre-construction phase of work and how you think companies should fill those gaps or how companies should address those areas? This is something that when I'm at risk management conferences, people are starting to talk about expanding the scope of their project to include pre-construction. Right. Well, you're planning a project. So what you have to be thinking about is all of the variables that go into ultimately from the design perspective, how you're going to deliver the project and even the long-term operations of that asset. And you're doing that all in the abstract. So in pre-construction, when it's well done, you're thinking about all of those things and you're pulling it all together. You're not just focused on what people oftentimes just think of pre-construction as estimating and pricing up the plans. Pre-construction is a much broader definition where you do have to be thinking about things like the insurance strategy and how to account for that and decide, you know, what arrangement is best in terms of different products and different approaches. And not to just make it about risk and insurance, but think about all the risk of things that, you know, when they're not covered or if there's miscommunications between two parties and the scope is a basic one, all of those represent a risk to not only the project, the bottom line to all of the stakeholders. And there's an incredible amount of risk in what we do in construction. And from a planning perspective, everything that you can do, it's about really de-risking the project as you're planning it. As I'm talking to risk managers at the large enterprise scale side, they're not just looking at risk transfer contracts right, or insurance they're starting to get involved more in the broader sense. And so I've talked to a lot of people who have implemented behavioral changes on the job site when things are in flux, but I'm really interested in those kind of areas where you think organizations are not today doing pre-construction properly. So either a risk manager listening to this can give this to their project management team, or they can make sure that they're monitoring those areas successfully. Yeah, I mean, actually the timing is kind of impeccable in that as part of our platform, we're continuing to build, you know, by module and roll out different features within themes or modules of the overall platform. One of which is a, you know, just a risk management tool, you know, risk register for lack of a better term. But how do you get the project team, not just the the general contractor or the owner or somebody's, you know, CFO or risk management group? Thinking about the things that you plan around inside of the fence, you know, proverbially. But there's the things that are outside of the fence, these kind of existential threats to the success of the project. How do you think about supply chain implications? You know, maybe curtain walls coming from 
someplace, you know, uh, that isn't typical? And how do you ensure that it's going to come in time? Is that the best choice? Are there pending labor issues, whether it's, you know, union or just general uh, labor shortage? And getting a team to identify what those risks are, figure out, hey, order of impact, likelihood, some sort of what we're working on, which is, you know, the, the math and the algorithm behind quantifying it and relative to one another, you know, which is the most imminent or highest impact risk and the inverse. But having people that, you know, take it upon themselves or develop some form of mitigation strategy to be working those risks out of the project at the same time you're doing the everyday stuff like managing the progress of the design, the estimate and the scheduling, but really thinking a little bit more holistically for the benefit of all stakeholders involved, because if you can drive the risk out of a project to its, it'll never be risk-free. Right. You can drive that risk down to the bare minimum and not sit there and spend the time about just shifting risk to somebody else. Yeah. You're going to have a much better outcome and you're going to have everybody succeed, which is really- yeah, Managing that risk holistically versus just risk transfer seems to be the game that most risk managers are talking these days, right? Everyone knows that with the evolving, changing economy that we're all in, that you must accept risk in order to win business. You must accept risk in order to grow to you know the places where these organizations want to go at. And risk managers in general, from the, talking to them on the podcast, all seem to want to make a shift from a cost center of an organization into a value-added center of an organization. I did some searching beforehand because I like to do a little research and, you know, knowing that we we're going to talk about pre-construction, I kind of did a deep dive into that. And one of the interesting things I found is it's coming up more and more as a, a critical element of the landscape. And I was wondering from your perspective, why is pre-construction becoming such a area where companies can actually value differentiate from one to another? Well, pre-construction is not a kind of a new trend or a theme here. We've been actively doing some form of collaborative delivery within the industry for a, a number of decades, starting with a lot of the design build, but uh, CM at risk. You know, I think people really got frustrated with designing and doing everything in a vacuum without having cost and planning part of that equation. And then you're just forced into this low bid, rip them and read them thing that we were doing largely in the 80s and the early 90s and all the time prior. And the idea that the lowest cost is the best option for this engagement you're going to be going through, incredible CapEx expenditures, multi-year relationships. I mean, basically the pain starts from that point forward and really got to be quite ugly. And so I think everybody realized that, hey, you know, the owner, the architect and the builder coming together, bringing design you know, the vision and the, the the funding and the long-term use, as well as the person who's going to build and deliver the asset to the table and all work together at the earliest stage possible, yielded much better outcomes, much more of a predictable journey. Problem with our industry is while we adopted the ideal behavior in terms of what we want to do, the industry didn't keep up with systems and techniques and methodologies to really, truly, in a more systematic way, provide pre-construction in a more holistic fashion. It was just simply the same estimating routine, but you just met, you know, uh, prior to the start of construction a few times. And I think everybody has evolved that. But again, it is highly reliant on the person and the individual that the companies are committing that sit around that table and the ideas and, and the talent they bring. 
And it's completely imbalanced in that you've got all the talent in the world trying to do the right thing, but they have both arms tied behind their back because they have no technology. They have an incredible amount of potential data, but that data is not captured, stored, structured in a way that it's convenient and easy to use or even understandable. So if we can transform that and rebalance that equation of technology plus talent, then we're going to have a much higher degree of success for the project and all of the stakeholders involved. But until we get that technology up to par with the level of talent to help them, you know, we're all going to be behind the eight ball. And that's what Concentric is hyper-focused on is that just solely focused on the pre-construction phase to really ramp up that technology infrastructure to support all the great talent out there that's planning all these projects and implementing process, but it's it's quite ad hoc and certainly not scalable. And it's certainly not leveraging the data to make the next project and the project after that and the project after that better, smarter, and more predictable. When you talk about success then, is success really a measure of coming in where you thought you were going to come in at the end of the project from the beginning because you're putting all these data sources in? Is it creating a sense of certainty? Like what is success for the pre-construction phase as it relates to the full duration of the project? Well, all all of the above. I mean, it gets down to predictability, you know, and that certainty of outcome because, you know, think about it from an owner's perspective. They have a a need, a piece of dirt, whatever, and, and the genesis of the idea. And they, you know, they get the funding and they get situated from that side. And then they have to go through you know, maybe it's a couple of years worth of designing and permitting and all of the things. And then they have to go build for another two years after that and before they can kind of activate the asset, whatever it is. Right. That's an extremely long time to be going, losing sleep at night and wondering what might be coming around the corner at you. So I think everybody strives and would love to have far more predictability, but that should not be at the expense of cost. Because right now, you could have all the predictability in the world if you just add in humongous contingencies and all of that, but nobody can afford that. And we have enough projects that don't pencil for artificial reasons. And so, again, the higher degree of precision and the use of data, a more consistent, systematic way of addressing all of the things outside of the estimate that influence the cost and the outcome of the project and enabling our people to have greater access at tools to do that so they don't have to reinvent this each and every time is going to yield significantly higher degrees of precision and certainty of outcome. And arguably it's going to lower the cost of what it takes to deliver a project by significant amounts. And think about beyond just the project, but on a broader level, how many projects are deemed to be like a no-go because they pass that magic line in the pro forma of, you know, basically not viable. It's because so much of kind of risk is being priced into these projects, but that risk could otherwise be driven out of the projects or the perceived risk with more accurate data, a little bit more focus on the things that present risk and how to mitigate those. There's an enormous opportunity to really close that delta it'll never all go away, but, you know, we're dealing with things at such large proportions that you can move the needle pretty significantly with, you know, a holistic approach to pre-con and leveraging everybody's experience and freeing up the time for them to be the thinkers and the planners that humans are great at and let technology, i.e. computers, 
kind of take care of a lot of that computational grunt work and all of the data transfer stuff that people are wasting 40% of their time just messing around with because they have to. Right. And then building systems too that often lead to biases that humans have in this process. Like when I talk to a lot of people, it's like, you know, trust layer cells, risk transfer software to track COIs and and manage that process and make sure people are insured at the job site, right? What happens is the more someone gets burned, the more they want to put contingencies into the plan, but right. ultimately they end up hurting themselves because they price themselves out of the market instead of dealing with those problems head on. And it sounds like it's very similar in sort of the approach around the idea of trying to reduce bias by presenting the highest risk and then allowing you to mitigate that risk or build a pre-mortem plan against that in case it does occur in order for you to stay competitive, but also ahead of maybe what's going to happen as you actually partake the project. Yeah. I mean, I think you're not just solving, you know, a problem by putting a band-aid on it or adding more money to something. You know, we're implementing things that are eliminating those things by addressing it at the root cause, number one. But number two, you know, building something that really is serving the project and all the parties, you know, that are involved in the project and not just at that inner core being the owner, architect and builder, but think of all the secondary and tertiary people involved that, you know, depend on the project being successful. Easy relationship is with this risk module that we're developing. If we can drive the risk out of the project, then we're going to be successful in part by reducing the risk on the builder side, just like we're gonna reduce the risk for the design team and reduce the risk for the owner. But if you use the builder as an example, you can drive the risk out of the project. You're de-risking that company itself. And think about the insurers and the sureties that are backing the performance of that builder. And if you can de-risk that, then their loss and outcome becomes much better. You You get a better outcome. And so, you kind of have this 360, again, concentric circles and amplified benefits, you know, it comes all the way around. So if the insurer doesn't have as much loss, then the builder could potentially benefit from having less risk in their portfolio, which is kind of like maybe the safe driver discount. So then they have a competitive advantage because now they're paying less in premiums because they're less risky. And it just cycles in a positive direction, as opposed to the example that you use where everybody's getting burned and that bias is driving costs up and it's driving, you know, negative behaviors, if you will. Right. I think that's great. I think the idea of surrounding yourself in a concentric circle, obviously, and having that part of what used to be a step process actually be circulating the whole project really makes a lot of sense for how to decrease risk. It's in every aspect of it versus it's like a graduation or a waterfall method which is traditionally how maybe this industry went to market. And you would compare costs and if you're hitting things right at each of those milestones and not really looking at it holistically. I think that's something that I've learned that the industry is really hungry for and looking for ways that they can use technology intelligently to actually have it feed back to every part of their process. Yeah. And I think, you know, what the industry is also facing at, you know, kind of the macro level is we have some great talent that is very veteran, you know, a lot of years in the business and they know things. And unfortunately, those people are retiring, fortunate for them, but they're retiring and they're retiring at a rate that's faster than we've ever brought and recruited people into the industry and allow them to kind of groom over time 
to be kind of on par with the people that are leaving. So we've got this ever increasing deficit of both headcount and quantity, as well as that level of experience. At the same time, the demand for all things being built is increasing significantly. And the census is projecting by 2040 that just in the US alone, our population may grow as much as 25%. Think about all the things that will need to be built, expanded, and all the other stuff that is crumbling today in the trillions of dollars that everybody's scrambling to replace. Yeah, it's almost a race to capture that knowledge in some systematic way in order to benefit the future or else you know we're gonna have to relearn some of this stuff through trial and error which is not overall good for the built world you know we're a force multiplier in that way we can make people more experienced better and in a much more controlled environment so you can you know handle all that demand with the people that you have and the talent that you have because it's not like you can just go hire people they're not there And if they are, they're not maybe experienced enough to do what you really need them to do. And so something's got to give. And, you know, technology is not the silver bullet for everything. But if you can augment the great talent that we have and unburden them from some of that tedious, really no value add type work, now you can double your bandwidth, if you will. You can double your pre-construction department just by, you know, improving their efficiency with technology. 100% the gap in talent seems to be something that's across a lot of these built industries, right? Construction, risk management, insurance professionals, all of these kind of jobs are being impacted by sort of the lack of, I guess, awareness in the up and coming people to be interested in some of those job things. This is something that a lot of risk managers talk about for their particular role. And in construction, it's like the experience of doing it is kind of the only way in the past to have gotten good at it. And then also adding into that, all that experience also leads to bias and leads to other things that maybe should not be overemphasized based on the data that we actually have about building things and and constructing projects. That makes a lot of sense. Steve, one thing I'm going to ask you that I ask everyone on the podcast is, what's a piece of advice that you've taken with you in your career that you give to people, or if you were meeting someone in a job fair, What's a piece of advice that you would give that's really helped you with your career? You know, it always comes down to people. And if you hire the right people and build a team and you really work hard on growing that team and having the right people as part of that team and empowering them, then you're going to accomplish many, many times more than you ever could if you were trying to either do it yourself or, you know, be the main person and not empowering people. The team that I had, you know, the good fortune of many different projects, many different teams as, you know, my leadership and a major general contractor. And, and you know, when you have the right team and that team is clicking, project goes great. If you have teams that are not thoughtfully built, then it's going to be harder to build that project. And so I've always carried the value of the team as the highest priority in accomplishing anything that I want to do. And With Concentric, you know, the team that I have is bar none, one of the best teams I've ever had in my life. And uh, the things that we can accomplish as a team already in the relative short period of time is just truly impressive. And I'm extremely proud of the team that we have at Concentric and, and everything that they bring to the table and what we accomplish together. So, Steve, if you were, this had someone out there who wants to be part of these teams, because I definitely agree with you, surrounding yourself with really strong individuals you can rely on and then taking them into every endeavor that you can really 
gives you an unfair advantage of having some level of success, right? What is an attribute, if you're sitting out there right now and you want to be on good teams, what's an attribute that someone should practice or be aware of in order to be considered a good person on a team or someone that's valuable to a team? Uh, There's a couple of them. The one that I always talk about and you have to have in construction is fire in the belly. And, you know, that fire in the belly is somebody coming to the team and, and, and whatever the endeavor is. And they're just, you know, no problem is insurmountable, high energy, sense of urgency. They want to make it happen. They want to make it happen the right way. You can't teach fire in the belly. And then a little bit of, you know, selflessness, because as a teammate, you got to have everybody's back. You got to be willing to do whatever it takes for the team to win. And it can't be, you know, a group of just all stars that are in it for themselves. So that selflessness to just be part of the mission and be part of the vision and work together is incredibly important. And if you can get people with those ingredients, then you're going to have the foundation for a fantastic team. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining me. I hope all the success to your team. Sounds like you have a good one and your endeavors in filling the gaps in the pre-construction phase of work. Anything I can do, reach out. I'm so glad that you were on the podcast. It was very fascinating and I look forward to catching up soon. I appreciate it, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye. Risk Management Brick by Brick is brought to you by TrustLayer. Find out how TrustLayer manages risk so that the people can build the physical world around us. Head over to TrustLayer.io. And then make sure to subscribe to Risk Management Brick by Brick on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the TrustLayer team, thank you for listening.